Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, a lot of people. It's this is the Beatle album of all Beatle albums. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And uh, it would appear that that's where we're at on today's Overnightscape Central. Um, yeah, we're late again, but th- it's fine. I mean, are we in? Are we in a big hurry here? No, 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 no. And we've got Dave in Kentucky. Yeah, he's back. He's back on the Central again, and it'll be great to hear his thoughts. Shambles Constant is in the groove, as usual, I bet you. And Frank Edward Nora is here, at least so far. And uh, we will see how this all cobbles together. And And, uh, just a note uh, on the most recent exit ramp. Really, and techni- this was discussed briefly, um, technically, the next official Beatles album is the White Album. But between Sgt. Pepper and the White Album is a little thing they call the Magical Mystery Tour, which it was an album. Now, I mean, the official, official view is it is two EPs, whatever the case. Next week... We're going to talk about the Magical Mystery Tour and then the White Album, just to keep everything chronological and all of that. And uh, yeah, we're good. I am so excited that Dave in Kentucky has uh, dropped in. So uh, let's just get into it here with Sergeant Pepper and Dave in Kentucky. Of course, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, um, the album, is a concert by Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the fictional entity. <laughs> uh, a, a, a band that was formed right after World War II. You know, um, Sgt. Pepper came out in 67, and, and uh, the lyrics say it was 20 years ago today Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play. So it would have been right after World War II that it was formed. Um, you know it's a concert because you can hear the audience milling around and, and uh, you know, talking to each other and so on at the beginning before the, began, the band begins to play. Now, this was not the last time that there was a fictional band formed by one of the Beatles. <laughs> uh, for instance, there was the Traveling, Wil- Traveling Wilburys that, uh, that George Harrison came up with in the I think it was the late 80s, you know, when he got uh, um, uh, Roy Orbison, and Bob Dylan, and uh, Jeff Lynne from ELO, and uh, um, Tom Petty. Uh, who else was it? I guess that's it. Five of them. Of course, they had a drummer. And they all had had names, you know, like they, they were supposedly all the... Uh, um, the um, sons by a different mother of of this old man Wilbury that uh, <laughs> sired them all, uh, but, but they all had names like Lefty and you know Lefty Wilbury and I don't remember what their names were or anything. But uh, you know it was it was kind of silly. But but they do the same thing. They did the same thing on Sergeant Pepper. You know 
where it says, let me introduce to you the one and only Billy Shears, you know, well, that's, that's Ringo's alter ego. And this, they, and they go right into the song with a little help from my friends that, that John and Paul wrote specially for Ringo. And I can, I can kind of, uh, hear them, you know, discussing what are they going to do for, for Ringo? You know, he's very limited in his vocal range and what he can do vocally. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to sing out of tune and, uh, um, maybe we can help him out a little bit. You know, we give him a little help from his friends. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, they, they wrote the song with that all in mind. It's, it's like, it says, what would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Well, lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song and I'll try not to sing out of key. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. Because, you know, they wrote the song, you know, to lie right within his very limited range. And mm, I get high with a little help from my friends. They probably plied him with drugs to get him to relax, you know, and and perform vocally, you know. And then he, he says, I'm mm, going to try with a little help from my friends. So they, you know, encouraged him to do his best on this song that they wrote specially for him. Uh, and then later on, um, what's his, um, Joe, Joe Cocker <laughs> made a version of this song that probably, I think he probably made it even more famous than, than the Ringo version, but it didn't really suit him because, you know, he was not limited, uh, in his range vocally. He could, <laughs> he could go about anywhere, um. So, but, you know, the song didn't really fit him, but he made it his own, I guess. And then right after that, you know, they go into the body of the concert and they start with the drug song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, you know, which obviously stands for LSD, even though John claimed that his little son came up with the with the title based on a a, a drawing that he did, you know, and John asked him what it was. And he said, oh, it's Lucy in the Sky with diamonds, you know, rather than stars, you know. <sighs> yeah, I believe that. They lied all the time about where their songs came from. It's it's like that that um that that song uh that goes uh she was just 17, if you know what I mean, you know, and and Paul claimed, you know, that his original line was uh, she had never been a, a beauty queen, and and John suggested, if you know what I mean, and and Paul didn't understand it. He said it doesn't make sense. Well, hell, it does make sense. If you're if she's seventeen and you're messing with her, you know, you can get in trouble for that. She's jailbait. <laughs> so, don't believe what they told us about how their, their songs got written and what the songs mean and so on. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is about LSD, obviously. <sighs> and then uh, they go right into getting better. You know, it's getting better all the time. And uh, John's talking about how he, 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 he used to uh, be a bad guy and he's trying to do better. And uh, it's getting a little better all the time. He used to be cruel to his woman. Uh, you know, a bunch of y'all talked about 
uh, one of the other one of the earlier songs where uh, he talks about that uh, he's going to uh, um, I don't know do violence to his to his girlfriend if he catches her with another man or something. But uh, you know he says I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. Um, he beat her. You know <laughs> what? What are you going to do? Hey, domestic violence. It's a song about partly about domestic violence. And then they go into fixing a hole, fixing a hole where the rain gets in. Stops my mind from wondering where it will go. Um, uh, that one sounds like it's probably, it's not a drug song, in, 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 you know, in the same sense that Lucy in the Sky is. But uh, it's probably about the motivation for doing drugs. You know, uh, so that, uh, you know, if you're straight, it keeps your mind from wandering where it will go. But if you're doing drugs, it'll go wherever. And, you know, you paint your room in a colorful way, you know, psychedelic. <laughs> it was that era. And then there's this sad song, She's Leaving Home, about... Um, this uh, young adult woman, I would say, uh, who has lived with her parents and they have uh, basically controlled her life up to this point and she hasn't had any freedom and she decides she's got to get out and she leaves them a note, you know, that says that she's leaving home uh, and the, and the parents are lamenting that uh, we gave her most of our lives and sacrificed our lives and gave her everything money could buy. And then she's leaving home after living alone for so many years. Yeah, she was living with them, but she was living alone. Uh, and then she's uh, she's making a clean break of it. She's, uh, she's meeting a man um, from the motor trade. Evidently, she's going to buy herself a car, which they probably will not know uh, the license plate number of, and so on. So they won't be able to track her down. And she's going off to have fun. She's leaving home. Bye-bye. And then there's this song being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, which supposedly is, uh, and this sounds reasonable to me, uh, one, I think one of them, I'm not sure which one, I think maybe Paul had this poster uh, where he lived that was about a, uh, um, that was a, you know, like a show bill for, for a circus or something like that. And they based the whole song on that, you know, uh, uh, for the benefit of Mr. Kite. So it was a benefit show that the, that they were putting on. Uh, the Hendersons were going to be there. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the uh, the the George Sitar song, you know, that, that um, he was going through that phase. Uh, within you, without you. We were talking about the space between us all and the people who hide themselves, who hide themselves behind a wall of illusion never glimpse the truth, then it's far too late when they pass away. So, 
you know, deep stuff. When I'm 64, <laughs> that's obviously a Paul song. Uh, when I get older, losing my hair. Many years from now. Yeah, he wishes he'd seen 64 now. Well, if that's him, if that's still him, he wishes he, uh, he could see, he could still see 64. But, uh, pretty cool song. Uh, not very interesting, um, uh, chord wise. You know, if you know the, the, um, um, one through seven system of and I, I used to uh, I used to know this guy who who went to like jam sessions uh, and so on and and um, would would sing songs and if and he would hold his fingers up indicating the chord that that you were supposed to play in case you didn't really know the song and uh, well you can't see me do it but I could do it vocally you know it's it's like when I'm sixty four goes. One D one D one D one one D one D five 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 one 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 D one D one D one one D one D four 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 one six two five one yeah it got a little a little more interesting there at the end but you know I just pretty standard progression and then it goes to lovely rita lovely rita meter maid lovely rita Mita maid uh, and talks about how he met this this uh um, meter maid you know and and went home with her and sat on the couch with her and her sisters and they made out you know <laughs> Oh, and oh, and she had she paid for the date too. By the way, is it got got the bill and Rita paid it, took her home, and nearly made it sitting on a sofa with a sister or two. So they got pretty serious making out. Uh, and then there's a uh, good morning, good morning. I'm not sure what that one's all about. Kind of a. Kind of a slice of life thing, sounds like, you know. Goes to work and doesn't want to go and feels low down. Goes home and starts to roam around town and, you know, it's just the day-to-day -day blah, blah, blah. And it's just one good morning after another, I guess. And then you have the, the uh, reprise, or some people say reprise, of... Uh, of the, of the main theme, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And, and this basically brings the concert to a close, says uh, we're Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Club Band. We hope you have enjoyed the show, uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. We're sorry, but it's time to go. And it's getting very near the end. Well, it's getting very near the end, but it's not totally at the end because there is one more song after this, and it's a biggie. And, and I don't know if you would consider it an encore. I tend to think of it more as an epilogue and something that was added later. It's called A Day in the Life. 
and it starts out with with John verses. And the, the John verses tell the story of um, <clears throat> a man, a famous person, a lucky man who had made the grade. Um, and it was sad news, but it was so ridiculous the way it looked that John just had to laugh. He saw the photograph. Uh, and I don't know if this was like the photograph of the car or the photograph of the body or what. But this was, this was, um, this was an important person. Uh, you know, a crowd of people stood and stared. They'd seen his face before. You know, nobody was really sure who he was. They thought maybe he was from the House of Lords. Um, he had uh, evidently got stoned and was out driving in his car. He didn't notice that the light had changed. I guess he ran a red light, and uh, and somebody probably broadsided him. Um, and who was this guy? Well, you know, it was somebody that had been on the telly a lot. <laughs> people people knew his face, even though it may have been somewhat mangled. Um, but and they couldn't couldn't quite place him, but they knew they'd seen him before. And the third verse, the third John verse, um, kind of places the the time period when this happened. It says, "I saw a film today, oh boy. The English army had just won the war. A crowd of people turned away, but I just had to look." having read the book. <laughs> now, John was in this movie, How I Won the War. He actually, he played a role where he was not a Beatle. Um, I've never seen the movie. Supposedly, it's, it's not very good. But, uh, you know, you can imagine that, say this person that was killed in the car wreck was one of John's associates. And they had a screening of this movie before it was released. It was released in 67, the same year that uh, that uh, Sergeant Pepper was released. Um, say this was Paul that was killed in the car wreck. This would explain a lot of things about, you know, all the all the stuff that followed about you know, Paul is dead in the back masking and, and him being barefoot on uh, Abbey Road and, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff. Frank talks about it all the time. Um, or maybe this is just more, uh, you know, where maybe this is where they started trying to make us think that Paul was, was really dead. Uh, but, you know, it's about Paul. Because of the, well, one source that I was looking at called it a, uh, a middle eight or, you know, some people would call it the bridge, but it's not really a bridge. It's 16 bars. Well, not counting the la, 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 and then that's a bunch more bars. So it's, it's more than, more than a bridge. It's, it's, it's a pretty good part of a song. And it may have, it, it's, it's one of Paul's songs, obviously. It's like, 
woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, found my way downstairs and drank a cup. And looking up, I noticed I was late. Now, this is obviously where the title, A Day in the Life, came from. This was a day in the life of Paul. Uh, found, found my coat and grabbed my hat, made the bus in seconds flat, found my way upstairs and had a smoke, getting high, and somebody spoke and I went into a dream because he was high, you know. <laughs> so this is a day in the life of Paul. And the, the John verses are a, a day in the life of Paul also, just the day that Paul died. That's one way to interpret it anyway. Um, I'm not sure what the holes in Blackburn, Lancashire are, uh, the potholes. You know, they were, well, I know what they were. They were potholes. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with, with the car wreck unless maybe that had something to do with, uh, maybe that's where it took place. Maybe that's where Paul's car was hit. I don't know. But anyway, and then uh, John at the at the end of uh, end of the of his verses says, I'd love to turn you on. Now, maybe he's not talking about drugs. Maybe he's saying he would love to turn Paul back on because, you know, his life had been turned off. That big, loud chord at the end that fades away could represent Paul's life. He made a big splash, a big a big noise, and then it died away. That's one way to look at it. You never know. Our master interpreter of the Overnightscape Underground, Dave in Kentucky. And you really, I mean, I say this time and time again, you don't have to be religious. It's not a proselytizing thing. The sermons show that he does is priceless and unique. And uh, I heartily recommend that if you haven't checked that out, you ought to. Just pick an, an episode at random that looks interesting. You don't need to consume the whole. You'll thank me. Um, I, I kind of uh, forgot the idea that Sergeant Pepper had all that faux context even with my uh recent listen for this uh but yeah it, it, it it's a show and as a kid yep yeah, that's how i really looked at it when i got that album uh well the first time i heard it as i've uh, related in the past my uh, my folks had divorced about a year earlier and my dad came over to visit and brought the album and it was played on the good stereo which the beatles on the good stereo was unheard of and everybody sat and listened it was just a very, uh, and I got to hold the record cover and read the lyrics on the back. And that's another thing that needs to be mentioned. Nobody put the words on the record before that, really. So that's, uh, and uh, all this interpretation, I mean, it, 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 yes, 
I agree with Dave. There's a lot of stuff in here that, uh, you know, like Gene Shepard, when his unfortunate friend died, blaming it on the Beatles and songs like A Little Help From My Friends, because obviously the friends are drugs. I don't know. Even as a kid, I sort of wasn't buying that. Just like, you know, I'd love to turn you on. Um, maybe he would just love it. He's talking to a, a woman or to somebody, and he would like to arouse them. Uh, why does that need to mean he wants to give you drugs? Uh, it's, I don't know. Oh, and good morning. I don't know. It's, it's, that's, he, was, he didn't really have a good interpretation of that. I'm thinking if the whole thing is like a show, or even better, a trip. It's like the wake up at the end of the trip, and then, you know, we're going into the Sgt. Pepper and the uh, finale, so to speak. So, yeah, you got to wake up for the finale. Um and, and, and a side note, if you, How I Won the War, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it being a very British, but a pretty funny movie about war, especially in that era that we are referring to here. And uh, it's directed by the same fellow who did Hard Day's Night and Help, unless my brain is broken, which is also possible, but... Uh, I add that, and uh, without further ado, uh, let's just keep this ball rolling, uh, and uh, we've got shambles constant. Okay, first off, um, before I get into talking about uh, the album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, there was a, um, I don't know if I'd call it a parody album or a pastiche or just what, but there was a band... Um, back in the 80s and 90s called Big Daddy that used to do arrangements of popular songs, um, but they would put them in, into like a 1950s style. And they came up some with some really great um, variations of, of different songs from, you know, later eras. Um, you know, they had one with a, a whole bunch of uh, 80s and 90s style kind of stuff. Like they they did... Ice, Ice Baby in the style of Chuck Berry, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, and uh, anyway, they did a whole album back in the early 90s um, just called Sgt. Peppers, um, which, you know, each song they did like their own arrangement of a song, you know, from Sgt. Peppers and just went through the whole album. So I'm just going to play really brief snippets from each song and then we'll, we'll get into more. We're Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Wah, wah, wah. Sit back and let the evening go. Day. I'm sad because you're on your own. 
No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Mmm, gonna try with a little help from my friends. trees and marmalade skies somebody calls you you answer quite slowly a girl with kaleidoscope eyes i wants to follow her down to a bridge by a fountain where rock and horse people eat marshmallow pies Ooh, where everyone smiles as you drift past the flowers that grow so incredibly high
love You just still be sending me a valentine Birthday greetings, bottle of wine If I'd been out to quarter to three Would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still be me? When I'm 64 Lovely reader, meet a maid Nothing can come between us When it gets dark, I do your heart away When I'm standing by a parking meter When I come in a glimpse of reader Feeling in a ticket in a little white book In a cap, she looked my shoulder And the bag across the shoulder Made her look a little light A little dream This is going to be a more uh, chaotic segment than what I usually uh, contribute on these. Please bear with me. It's been a crazy week. Um, it's uh, I'm recording this on, on, on Saturday when I know that sometimes the central episode has already been released <laughs> at this point in the week. Um, so I hope I'm not putting PQ off too much, but I'll try to get this uh, out of the way. Um, and I have some errands to run too, so I got a check, you guys. I got a check um, from Facebook. This is like NRAY Facebook Biometric Information Privacy Litigation, okay? So like, uh, apparently there was some kind of class action going on. I don't know, some kind of privacy breach. And I got a check for a, you know, as like a, um, you know, a settlement. And uh, I, I thought that people would be happy to know that my privacy is worth $30.61. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So I'm gonna go to the bank. I gotta deposit this. I also have to uh, pick up a couple of uh, checkbook registers <laughs> because uh, my mother asked me if I would do so because her sister and her sister's uh, husband, um, you know, they they go through a lot of checkbook registers and they need more. So that's basically, so I'm just gonna combine that trip. And we got some snow last night. And uh, so, but it's not as cold as I expected, strangely enough. 
wasn't expecting the snow. Ah, uh, you know, who expects the snow or the Spanish Inquisition? But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get my, my, my monies, you know? I'm gonna get my fat cash. <laughs> so yeah, so that was uh, uh, brief snippets of each Big Daddy song for the their Sergeant Pepper's, uh, you know, their version of it. Um, I hope I didn't play too much of each one. I was trying to give you a good semblance of what each song, you know, was like that as they recorded it. And when I, I remember buying it on CD in the in the early '90s. I think it was like '92. Yeah, I think it was '92 because I was working at the nursing home and I would play it um, on the way there and back in the car. And um, I remember just being blown away. I was like, "Wow, my God, I can't believe they they it sounds like it's it's like the song, but it's not the song." <laughs> and uh, you know, so you know, since then I've heard a lot of these kind of things. This one is still pretty good. I mean, it still holds up to me as being, you know, like a like a throwback, intentional throwback version of a slightly newer album than the style they were doing, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really like, and, and, uh, A Day in the Life in the style of, of Buddy Holly, like, they started off like, like, you know, like, uh, Peggy Sue, and then they, they go into, like, the more dreamy time, type of thing for the bridge, and, um, you know, they did a really good job with, with that song in particular. I like having Within You, Without You is like kind of a, uh, you know, a beatnik uh, coffee bar kind of a feel to it, you know, and, um, you know, the Sergeant Pepper, like the theme being sort of coasters, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. And, the, and that's on uh, Amazon Music, if you have that. Um, it's probably on, on other music streaming services out there. Hell, it's probably on YouTube, for that matter, but I don't know. But, uh, but to get to the actual album of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, this, of course, you know, is a huge... It's more of a cultural phenomenon than it is an actual album in its own right. It's, it's the one album that I really, I, I can, I can recite, you know, the, the order of the tracks without having to look at the list. Like all the rest of their albums, I need to at least glance and be like, wait a minute, you know, like, uh, is it, I'm only sleeping, you know, before Eleanor Rigby or after, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, Sergeant Peppers, yeah, it's, uh, and I've listened to it many, many, many times. Um, I don't know if I can say that it's their best album because it's it's like it's so shrouded in legend at this point that that almost uh, supersedes the the actual um, art form of the album. It's 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 a masterpiece. I mean, I you know I have to be honest. <laughs> I have to be straight out with that. It's it's a masterpiece, but it's like. Is it? And it's a whole different feel to it than what there is with virtually any other Beatles album. Um, I do kind of wish that uh, Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane had made it onto the album. Like, I wish that they had put those in there somewhere. I'm not quite sure 
it would have you know it would have changed the feel to the album but you know it, it seems like a bit of an omission that they're not on there and i am glad that they're on magical mystery tour on the album of magical mystery tour but you know it still seems like uh, you guys could have i mean it would put, put another what eight minutes onto the the album sure but uh and this uh and sergeant peppers uh that was like one of the first if not the first um records that came out where the lyrics were printed in you know in the album like in a, in a little sleeve thing in the album jacket um that may be one of the first times that and that also kind of solidified it as like an important release you know like it's a very important thing so all right i'm at the bank i'm gonna go get my fat cash and i'll be right back i'm rich i got some monies that's great money that's that's great that's what i want <laughs> i don't know uh, it's snowing now it's snowing again it wasn't snowing when i was driving to the bank but it is back to snowing status now oh my god give me a hell of a headache um uh, but there's nothing new in that i'm a migraine sufferer from way back Back before I knew they were migraines, I was just like, have a bad headache. And then found out, yeah, you also have the light sensitivity and the nausea. So, anywho. So, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And, uh, you know, the the whole idea was like this concept album. You know, it, it was going to be an album about, about their childhood and then. It kind of morphed into this whole creating a fictional band um, called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And the album cover, of course, is iconic. They've got dozens of uh, people um, pictured, you know, illustrated in the, uh, you know, in the in the album cover, um, so to speak. Um, you know, all these uh, lots of famous people and. Uh, you know, we got Mae West and uh, the Beatles and the earlier Beatles and, the, you know, all kinds of them. And, um, you know, they were supposed to get one of the Bowery Boys and then he's like, no, I want more money. I want my, 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 my money. And he didn't get his money because they were like, no, screw you. We got plenty of other people who are happy to be on, pictured on the album cover so you can just do your thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> so that guy, Leo Gorsi or whatever, missed out on his chance to be pictured on Sgt. Pepper's Little Town Cabin. So, and they got Gandhi and like Mother Teresa, I think, and uh, you know, freaking um, everybody's on that sucker. Um, so, it, you know, it was a big thing. <laughs> it was like capital B, capital T. It was a big thing. And, uh, um, I don't know how much they were aware of it. It seemed like, in a way, it seemed like it was big because they said it was going to be big. But I mean, of course, the album was brilliant. I mean, don't get me, don't don't get me wrong. So we start off with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which is like, you know, um, you know, starts off that uh, that uh, theme, um, if you will, for like a. Um, like a, a fictional band and it's like you know this band is getting ready to play in the in front of the audience and um, you know splendid time is guaranteed no that's that's in one of the other songs um, but like but uh, you know they start off with the you know the theme song um, which is of course amazing 
um, it you know gets you right into it right, right from the start. Gets into that concert feel and gets um, you know it was 20 years ago today, which and of course as we know um, we've got a 20 year anniversary coming up for Frank Edward Nora with uh, the Overnight Scape. So the timing is uh, is very cool, you know. <laughs> um, you know they they go out of the Sgt. Pepper song and into with a little help from my friends which that's like the the Ringo um, song for the album like not written by him but like the the vocal by him and he gets to play a character named Billy Shears he sort of play a character um, you know they're like like we're gonna introduce the lovely Billy Shears and Sergeant Pepper you know and um, with a little help from my friends is great I it's one of those songs that has been done better by someone else and that was Joe Cocker um, only because Joe Cocker wails on his version of the freaking song um, I mean it was used for the theme song of the Wonder Years and um, John Belushi used it in his uh, uh, you know his send-up of Joe Cocker on uh, the old the original SNL and um, like it was Joe Cocker was amazing on that song you know Ringo's quirky and great <laughs> in a different kind of style and it's like we're gonna get along it's gonna be good help from my friends we're gonna do this <laughs> and, you know I get high with a little help my friend oh I wonder I wonder what the hideness is is that more drugs I think so I think so Oh god, I'm driving and there's a fire truck. Um, it's got some of the traffic stopped. I think I can get around though. Um, I mean, they're stopped, they're pulled over, so it's not like I'm like cutting off a, a driving fire truck or whatever. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that kind of thing. If that's what you're thinking. And um, but I'm just turning off a different direction. And, um, yeah, but with a little help my, from my friends, it's one of those songs where someone else did it better. Kind of like A Taste of Honey when uh, Herb Alpert did did uh, his version with the Tijuana Brass. I believe that's correct. Uh, you know, if I'm ever wrong on some of this, just call me out. I mean, just fact check my ass. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Elephant in the Room. Um... It be acid. <laughs> um, John's like, oh yeah, Julian came home with this. He's talking about this drawing that his friend did in school. Um, this little girl, whatever her name was, Lucy, and you know, then it was. He just called it Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, uh, or he drew it, or something of her, or whatever. And and it's like, yeah, we get it. We get it. Um, there's a lot of surreal imagery imagery to it. Uh, great song. Elton John did a great. Uh, um, cover of that as well. Um, more dreamy, more, I don't know, it's just, whoa, God, okay, it's another fire truck, I gotta just, uh, pull up here. Oh my God. Okay, I got out of his way. Jesus, I don't know what happened, but, oh, what a mess. Um, but yeah, but Lucy, yeah, there was Lucy, and she was in the sky, and she had some diamonds. And that, of course, um, later on, the band whose name I can't think of 
um, did Judy in Disguise as a, as a parody of that song with glasses. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is, this is very chaotic, I know, or it feels chaotic. Maybe it sounds fine, but uh, when I'm driving and I'm trying to review something at the same time, but, you know, trouble rears its ugly head every damn time. You know, but uh, then we got getting better. Um, uh, getting better. It's you know, this is like obviously is a very optimistic feel to it. Even though there's been some really bad stuff that's happened in the past. Um, John references, uh, you know, as I've mentioned on a, on a couple of earlier episodes, used to be cruel to my woman. You know, it's, it's past tense. Things are going better now. Um, and uh, there's just a peppy feel to it, and uh, you know, there's it's just it's just a really enjoyable little song. And then you got she's leaving home, and we going back into sadness now. So you know, things were things were happy there, but she's leaving home. I, I connect to this song in a whole different way now, of course, um, since I'm a dad than and an adult. More more importantly. Uh, you know, also, uh, you know, I connect to this song and I see it in a different light and I say, you know, and there's that whole idea of, you know, teenagers running away from home because of things that were, were happening, they, you know, um, that, of course, that's always been a thing, but, uh, you know, that was, you know, definitely a, a poignant thing at that point in time. It's 18 degrees outside. Actually, it's colder than I thought it was, but there's really hardly any wind. So, you know, it doesn't feel like that. So, I don't know. Ah. But, uh, you know, She's Leaving Home it does bring it down a little bit. Um, it's a beautiful song. Um, I like the strings on it. And, uh, but like, you know, it's kind of like, man, this is a bummer. <laughs> Where did this where did this come from? What, what do you guys, you know? Um, but it's it's kind of them being trying to be, you know, important and significant, and there's there's some of that going in there, I think. But you know, there's also, you know, I can I can see it as like I can picture like, you know, being a dad and being worried about this teenager that's run off, and what are you gonna do? Um, you know, and there being wartime with Vietnam, and you know, there was a lot of generational um, fighting, you know, back and forth and stuff, and that kind of that kind of adds to the, the the tone behind it as well. Um, and then, of course, we have "Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite," which um, <laughs> I love this song. I really do. Um, I, I love that John took this old circus poster and basically just took the lyrics directly off the poster and put them into the song. And I, I love the the story of the composition of the song and how um, they, they took the tape and they um, did an early like collage of it. Um, I say early because, you know, not a lot of those were being um, recorded and released at that particular time, but um, uh, yeah, but like, um, they did this, this whole, um, thing with it and, uh, changed the tempo on part of it. And, you know, and like the two parts that John wanted to put together were, were in different tempos. So that, uh, that, uh, caused some issues for, 
good old um, George Martin. <laughs> it was always like, you know, um, it's like, all right, boys, I don't know if we can do, all right, fine, I guess we have to do this. <laughs> we have to do this because you're saying so. All right, fine. But uh, I love that. I love that tune, you know, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite and, you know, you know the Hendersons. The Hendersons are going to be there. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's it's going to be a hell of a 19th century circus time. End of side A. Side one. Side A? So side side two, side B, side the second, side D. Um, we got Within You, Without You. We got some George. And, uh, you know, it, it, probably at his most Indian-influenced uh, um, song, um, you know, and it, it's it's so philosophical. It's actually one that I have to be in the right mood to listen to, but it's an amazing song, um, and it's got all kinds of uh, you know very deep thoughts to it, and uh, you know it's like deep thoughts with George Harrison. You know, we were talking about the space between us all. You know, it just seems like something that could just be chanted or just you know some uh, some guru standing you know on a hill and everybody's sitting around uh, cross-legged um, on the ground and listening to the to this guy and just looking up to see what he was he was saying and stuff and you know and of course later he might be kind of challenged by the, the Beatles you know with the whole <laughs> Maharishi thing but you know I mean just in the moment <laughs> let's just focus on that, you know. And then we've got When I'm 64, which Paul McCartney is now um, almost 20 years older than that, which is, it's kind of fascinating to think about in a way, you know. Um, like, he was looking forward to, like, to a time where it's like, you know, when I'm getting older and I'm losing my hair, and he's still, he's still, he's still got his hair. I mean, it might be a little fitting, but he's still got it. If that's the real Paul McCartney, yes, Frank, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't quite, uh, I don't know. If, if Paul McCartney died in 1966 and everything, how did they find a lookalike um, that, you know, had musical abilities so fast? <laughs> that's my question about that whole conspiracy theory. Although it is, it is fascinating to think about, and I, I love hearing Frank... Um, go into a, a, a you know a, a line of thought like this and, it, and it's fascinating to think about it I just don't understand how that could have happened within like a day where <laughs> they were like hey let's find we need to find a new Paul McCartney it's, oh there's one you know I mean that you don't just you don't just walk to a store and be like uh, hey guys you got a Paul McCartney on the shelf yes yes we do oh you know oh you know hey I mean <laughs> so but Anyway, so yeah, so but when I'm 64, you know, it's 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 got it's a bit wistful at times, but it's also mostly just uh, snappy and poppy, and you know, the grandchildren, the names of the grandchildren, Vera, Chuck, and Dave, just always make me laugh. I love that, you know, and and, and the the Big Daddy song, um, where it's like when I'm 64. When I'm 64, oh, 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 we'll be still be saving for dear Chuck and David. <laughs> I could stay with you. <laughs> but, 
but you know the the song is the song is lovely and um yeah i really i really do like that song uh what we got next lovely rita this this might be my favorite song on this album um i love the feel to it i love how formal the lyrics are about this meter maid this you know this uh this girl that um the, the singer has seen and you know may i inquire discreetly um would will you be free to take some tea with me or something along those lines and the ah, 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 the, the backing vocals along with the instrumentation is just about perfect in my opinion and you know i i'm i'm reluctant to call any of these songs perfect because I know that no song is perfect but man this I mean it just it falls together so well and it just you know this is one of those ones that I'm like uh, you know it I think it could have been a huge hit and it, it just I don't know it, it just it resonates with me I, I love lovely Rita meter made you know um, so then we got some shit going on um, we're gonna get up in the morning, but there is some. Oh my God, nothing to do to save his life. Call his wife. I mean, we're getting right into um, some serious crap going on, and uh, uh, you know, it's. I, I love the sound effects on it, like the rooster and the. You know, you kind of hear alarm, and uh, you know, other other like like barnyard animals <laughs> at one point. Um, and I never, I never can remember when I'm not looking at the CD if it's good morning or good morning, good morning. You know, which, uh, which way the title is supposed to be. You know, it's like you have the, uh, just once or is there the repetition in there of good morning, good morning. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but that's a really great one too. Um, that is a really great one. Um, and then, of course, you've got a day in the life. Um, which is consistently voted like top one or two of the best uh, Beatles songs. Whenever anybody puts a list together, it seems to always be um, just about at the top. And of course, um, again, there's going to be the thing, you know, uh, you know, he's in a car accident and he blew his mind out in a car because he didn't know the lights had changed. Um, you know, is that a reference to the real Paul, you know, I mean, is that like the Beatles saying, hey, we, we need to commemorate this, but we don't know exactly how. This is the only thing that we can do because the record company is forcing us to, and, you know, I don't know. But, but uh, I mean, that's like an epic song. That's like an epic song. I read the news today. Oh, boy. Um... Oh boy, there's, there's the Buddy Holly thing again. <laughs> but uh, but a lucky man who made the grade, and uh, you know, and then the the build up at the toward the end of that song, um, you know, as if like the the world is going to end, and, and you know, at the end the the final the final chord is like iconic. It's it's uh, one of the the fam most famous Beatles chords, like along with like uh, the opener to like Hard Day's Night or that kind of thing, and um, 
you know so it's just it kind of takes your breath away if you really think about it i mean you kind of and uh it's it's a perfect closer um there's there's no following that except with the the album fade out at the end um that uh you know was on the record where apparently with some record turntables you could set it to like you know where it would keep spinning and it would like play in perpetuity never could see any other way never could see any other way never could see any you know i like i'm wondering like you know you're, you're thinking of like okay we finished the album wait let's throw this on there too let's put this inner groove well i have this little inner groove thing to put on there just to give this album a little more quirkiness which you know did it need <laughs> it had plenty of quirkiness to begin with so but it's it's all in all sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band is one of those albums that like you know for the ages it's it's something that changed it kind of changed everything um you know musically and like um you know, all these other bands are trying to do their concept albums over the following years, and um, so it's, I mean, it's its pretty amazing. Um, best album, I, I always feel like, when I listen to it, I feel this weird sense of like, oh, it's over? You know? <laughs> like, it feels like there should be more in there, and hence, again, maybe Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, maybe I'll try to do like a, put together a playlist or something, and I'm, I'm sure there's something on like YouTube and you know stuff like that where people have done that where they've added those two songs in it because Sergeant like I'm sorry uh, Starberry Fields Forever is my favorite Beatles song um, just straight out and uh, I'll talk about that when we do Magical Mystery Tour um, Penny Lane of course is is great um, in a in a kind of a different way and uh, you know it's just yeah, I love that stuff. So, you know, it sort of feels like those should have been on Sgt. Pepper. And I don't know, I mean, it's too too late to do anything about it now, obviously. So, all right, I've just basically just been driving around for a bit here. Um, I, one of my errands I decided to wait until later to do. Um, I, I just, I need to, I need to pick up some stuff um, for my community theater um, some props and I need to just get into the right mindset to do that I'm not quite there right now so um, let's just close this sucker up um, and thank you thank you so much for listening um, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the, this al- uh, this album of this episode a splendid time is guaranteed for all um, back to you Sergeant PQ River Pepper Oh, thanks. I've never been called Sergeant PQ River before. Oh, man. Oh, the, the lonely hearts, indeed. And, yeah, you get you, you got some great points here. I mean, uh, number one, the story. I almost forgot Big Daddy in that album. I had that years ago. And I had just somehow lost that whole thing and you brought it all that that was very nice of you and i appreciate that and 
Yeah, there's there is something very special about lovely Rita Meter Maid that I have to uh, just kind of join in, hold hands for a second on. Uh, I mean, God, that drum at the break, that do 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 do, and such a rich, rich, rich sound, and of course that piano solo, which might be the high point of George Martin's actual physical participation. He played piano on, I think, like 18 songs or something. But that neat little piano solo on uh, lovely Rita Meter Maid, that's a Pippin for sure. And uh, I do like, and, and nobody's mentioned it so far, I'm sure Frank will, but at the end of A Day in the Life, there's also something that human ears cannot hear, a tribute to the dogs of the world. That's right. Uh, I think Paul McCartney blew a dog whistle. And uh, yes, if you happen to have a dog around and you have the proper pressing, I think it's on all of them, but I know it's on the original. And yes, there is a dog whistle. And uh, yeah, man's best friend will perk up uh, if he hasn't already at the end of that. Ah, uh, yeah. And those songs, those songs, they're a bunch that, like, really, in my mind, they should fit on Sgt. Pepper, but they're singles or they're on the Magical Mystery Tour, which, yeah, we're, we're going to be having a little Magical Mystery Tour here soon enough. Um, yeah, we're, we're rolling here. And uh, thanks, Shambles, for all of that. And you're waiting. I'm waiting. Frank Edward Nora, our 20th anniversary guy, the father of this whole thing. Well, I am sure he has some interesting points to share. And uh, let's listen together. So yeah, there is uh, John Peel on his perfumed garden on on uh, Radio London on uh, it's uh, July sixteenth, nineteen sixty seven, uh, playing some songs from Sgt. Pepper's. He played "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds," uh, Sgt. Pepper's "Lonely Hearts Club Band" reprise, and "A Day in the Life," which you just heard the end of there. And talking about how how important it was, I, w- I was looking for because I know I, I'm a huge fan of the Perfume Garden. This was uh, Radio London, um, the radio station that was on the boat, uh, parked off off of in, parked in international waters because Britain didn't have any like rock and roll radio stations at the time. Um, and John Peel, who yes, that John Peel, the legendary John Peel, had a show on there on the boat, the Perfume Garden. 
and a lot of tapes uh, exist. One of my favorites ever is the his final perfume garden, which just sort of goes all night long. But I remember there was one I couldn't find it where he uh, he got uh, Sergeant Pepper's early and was playing songs from it. In this case, is just a little comment he had about it. Um, but I want to say so this this is wow, you know it seems like this is the eighth eighth album, right? So it seems like every week it's getting like last week it was like daunting to record about revolver because there's just so much about it now we get to sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band which is just like there's like a thousand times more stuff about this than about any other album so f- up till now and perhaps of all the beatles albums this is the one that has is perhaps the most legendary there's the most stuff about it and i want to look at it I, I to me there's like three different angles here right <coughs> The first one, as I'm sort of represented with uh, John Peel, is how important it was at the time, how groundbreaking it was when it came out, and how different it was from any other record before, right? The idea the Beatles had sort of, they'd stopped touring, and they didn't have to care about playing the songs live, and they, you know, as we saw with Revolver, that also was recorded with, um, you know, that restriction of being able to play it live uh, taken away. Uh, Sergeant Pepper goes way further than that, creating uh, something of an early concept album, right? I mean, this album is considered really, I think, I think it's one of the first concept albums, and it really um, cha- changed the course of popular music. It it opened so many musicians' eyes to what's, what was possible, right? That you don't just have to make popular songs that you can play on stage, that you can now create this incredible work of art that just you know, on its own. So, I mean, that's one angle, right? Um, And there's no denying that it is an incredibly uh, important album. And then there's also the Paul is Dead stuff. And, you know, and I feel that, you know, as I've said many times, I can't avoid talking about this topic. Um, And I, I know people are, you know, resist the idea that Paul died and was replaced. But I can just tell you my own personal thoughts on the matter. Um, I've been, you know, in this process on the Central, our series of Beatles uh, shows, um, really encountering so many pictures of Paul before and after. And I have to say, I truly am at over 99.9% sure that... um, Starting in '67, there's there's some a different person is now claiming to be Paul McCartney, and everyone goes along with it. It's not to me, it's not him. It's the different human being. Probably, most likely, Paul did die in a car accident, though. Who knows? I mean, you know, it just we really haven't seen Paul again. Maybe Paul was alive and he just went off somewhere else. There is that uh, footage of a guy. I forget his name, but he he was actually doing tours of Paul's old house and some people thought he looked like what the original Paul might look like older I don't really agree with that but um, right what evidence do we have right we have the evidence of starting with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band every album coming uh, moving forward I believe every album um, has tons of clues of Paul being dead on the album artwork and in the songs themselves right forwards, backwards, themes of songs, right? So 
I don't think it's deni- it's it's undeniable that for some reason the Beatles uh, were uh, in, in, including this these this content that Paul was dead on their albums. And now you could say, oh, it's just a, it's just a it's just a publicity stunt, whatever. Fine, but but that's undeniable that the, the amount of stuff that's that's in there is to me is undeniable, right? You could I suppose some people could deny it, but there's just so much. And that's not to say Paul died. That's just to say that they. It was some sort of weird in-joke, right? At the same time, I think it's also... Um, I think if, if you pay attention to this stuff, uh, Paul looks very different, right? The Paul that emerges in 67 looks a lot different than the Paul beforehand. He has a different personality. His songwriting style, in my opinion, is different. Uh, but in terms of the different... I mean, you... And I was talking to PQ about this. You know, he admits that, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, PQ, but you, I think, acknowledged that Paul looked a bit different. And you said it could be he lost weight, he took tons of LSD, but at least acknowledging it. So the guy is looking different and, right, in my opinion, he looks completely different. And there's all the stuff on the records about him being dead, right? So... The first thing I want to say is there has to be a connection between those two things. Like they're saying the guy's dead and he looks like a different person. As I mentioned to PQ, we were chatting about it. I said, you know, so maybe at this point, Paul is going through strange time in life. He's taken tons of LSD, all sorts of drugs, losing weight. He really looks a lot different. So maybe, right, the Beatles, oh, my God, Paul, you look so different. Like we, we we could even come up with some sort of conspiracy theory that you died and were replaced, and we could just put that on the albums because you look so different, even though it was just from your drug use and losing weight and stuff like that, right? There's there's something going on here, right? And and so yeah, this Sergeant Pepper is where it starts in earnest. All the Paul is dead stuff starts here. Now, for those of you that don't know, the uh, according to the theory, Paul died in. Most likely September, possibly October, 1966, in a car crash. Though, again, we we don't know if he really died. That's what people say. And then Paul emerges. Um, after that, he goes on a trip to Kenya, and there's pictures of him in Kenya where he's looking very different. And then there's the LSD interview. Let me find the Paul LSD interview where he look is looking very much not like himself but it's interesting it's in the context of him taking LSD right so I think the idea is they found in my opinion they found this guy that uh, does not look completely like Paul his first uh, presentation to the public is is this right this is in 67 four times and when did you get so here, so this is just, this isn't, I don't know exactly what the date this was. It was in uh, 67. This is a person, in my opinion, that does not look at all like Paul McCartney. And uh, they're presenting it to the public. So I'm, I imagine if anyone, right, and back then you didn't have as much visual reference material as you have now. But they looked at him, wow, he looks weird. But he took LSD. Even back then, maybe people thought LSD could change your entire face. And maybe, and you know, and I, I'll admit, if if you know, a brain damage or a stroke or something. In fact, this guy uh, Yannick Joker that uh, I used to know from the Andy Kaufman thing, 
he said he he's very familiar with it, but he thinks Paul didn't die. He's like, listen, Paul had must have had a stroke or something, some kind of brain damage, to explain his different look, his different demeanor, or right everything. So people, even people that don't believe that Paul was replaced, acknowledge this. And and this person we're looking at here is not Paul McCartney. Is not is not the one that was around in '66. Well, you know, I mean, if I was to say where I got it from, you know, it's illegal and everything, it's silly to say that, so I'd rather not say that. Don't you believe that this was a, a matter which we should have kept private? You know, the thing is, you know, that I was asked a question by a newspaper, and the decision was whether to tell a lie or to uh, tell him the truth, you know. <laughs> Telling a lie, of course. His whole life is a lie, this freaking Billy. I decided to tell him the truth. But I, I really didn't want to say anything, you know, because if I had my decision, uh, you know, if I had my way, I wouldn't have told anyone, you know, because I'm not trying to spread the word about this. <coughs> the man from the newspaper is the man from the mass media, you know. I'll keep it a personal thing. If he does too, you know, if he keeps it quiet, if he wanted to spread it, so it's his responsibility, you know, for spreading it, not mine. But you're a public figure, and you said <laughs> if you just look at his facial expressions and the way he carries himself, it is so different. Uh, there's that David Frost interview, which you see a lot of Paul's facial expressions and everything else. It's not just the face. It is his personality. It's his persona, everything. Anyway, this this goes on for a few minutes. But um, so... That's the sex. So the first part of Sgt. Pepper's is how important it, how important of a record it was, how groundbreaking of a record it was. The second thing is the Paul is dead thing, in my opinion. I think the album is all about Paul being dead, and we'll get to that. And the third thing about Sgt. Pepper's is just judging it, like we've been judging all the seven albums before this, um, on a musical level, right? And I think those three things are different. And what I want to say is, on a, on a musical level, listening to the album, because, you know, in this whole process, each album I've listened to over and over and over again, right? And I would say this album is the first time that in overall, I would say I really, there's something about Sgt. Pepper's that I don't like musically. It's And it's kind of surprising to me but we've been so hyper-focusing on Beatles music, right, reviewing all of the records up till this one, um, that I was actually surprised that I found myself essentially um, feeling that there's something wrong with this album musically. It's not, it, it, it certainly is lacking something. So despite how incredibly important it is, there's something about this album that I just, I don't know what it is. I don't like. And I've been really struggling to understand it. And it was, you know, we'll go through song by song and stuff, but um, I think there's a, there's a certain feel or tone that was present in all the Beatles' previous albums, which was a kind of a dark humor or cynicism. And it may have been, you know, Paul, the original Paul and his personality. Um, but there's something missing. There's an essential aspect of the Beatles that have been on every record up till now that seems to be missing in Sgt. Pepper's. Now, of course, the Paul is dead theory could explain that. I also, and I feel that the, uh, 
the essential issue. I mean, there's several issues musically I have with Sgt. Pepper's, but um, I feel that the Paul songs, like When I'm 64, right? I mentioned previously that his songs could be very... were, were veering into the territory of being corny on the previous records, but it never got corny. There was something about the Paul's songwriting prior to this that always... It, and I think it's incredibly difficult to write those kind of songs without them seem, seeming corny. And then he comes up with stuff like like When I'm 64, right? Which does not feel like the same Paul McCartney. It does feel corny. When I get older, losing my head many years from now. Do, 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 do. And, and again, it's it's uh, it's sort of lacking that sadness and bitterness that was imbued in Paul's songs previously, as corny as they may be. To lead a better life, I need someone to be near. Right? Here, taking each day of the year. Right? There's, there's, there's sort of a sadness, a wistfulness, uh, and sort of a dark beauty to Paul's songs prior to this. And then When I'm 64 is... Again, it's not a terrible song. It's just it's lost a lot of those qualities, right? And it's funny because when when I was thinking about what's my favorite Beatles album, I mean, um, Sgt. Pepper never came up to me as my favorite. And I think a lot of people also have that. There's something about it that's, from a musical perspective, as an album, it's lacking. Of course, you focus in on particular songs. Day in a Life, for example, top notch, you know. And a few other ones I think are great. But, um, you know, and, and we'll go through it, but... Yeah, you got me thinking, Frank. What is... The th- and there is a definite difference in tone in this album that, like you, it just gets me. It's like... And I think I hit it. This album has this all of a sudden establishment orchestra yeah they used them in a, okay yesterday and then they they brought out the strings for this or that with this it's like yeah that the whole full orchestration thing rolls in and at certain points it's really i don't know it it's it it takes away that band with guitars and drums vibes and and packages it like somehow over purifies it uh, over sanctifies it or something uh, it, it gives it this establishment stamp maybe uh this is not a rock and roll record that, that now we have grown up and I don't know. There's that. That maybe that's it. But it's something along that in my head, anyways. And I thought I'd add that. Anyway, so let's just let's. So this first this preamble was sort of uh, say it is it. It's I think hard to understand and hard to hard to overstate the importance of this album and how groundbreaking it was. Absolutely. And I think this. Uh, is is the beginning of our journey of with this new Paul, which is incredibly interesting, but sad, of course, and, and and we've lost something, but we've gained something, right? The new Paul, whereas he's different than the old Paul, he brings another dimension to the Beatles. 
So I know it might seem like when I'm claiming Paul died and was replaced to be sort of shitting on the uh, replacement. No, the replacement, he, he, everything about him is very interesting and he makes great music. The question now, of course, is he writing that music? <clears throat> the replacement obviously, um, <coughs> you know, can sing and play <coughs> his instrument, but is he writing those songs? Because I think um, when you think about why they would have not just admitted that Paul died, but rather make, kept it secret and replaced him, right? There, there's this whole nother level of stuff going on, and whether or not the new Paul is writing these songs or they're being ghostwritten by someone is, is another question. Um, here he's talking about LSD, this phony Billy. Yes, but to say it, you know, is only to tell the truth. I'm telling the truth, you know. I don't know what everyone's so angry about. <laughs> you could tell he's lying. He's like, he, he, he's like, he, like his, his tongue is like touching his teeth and stuff. It's just, anyway. I also talked to PQ about this just to say, uh, you know, I'm 100% seeing a different person. But PQ is saying when he looks at the same stuff, he's 100% seeing the same person. And he felt there may be overlapping realities, one in which, I'm living where the two poles are very different and then one where he's living and he, all the pictures he looks at, it's the same guy. I mean, I suppose that could be the case. But uh, anyway. And then again, the third thing, I'm surprised how kind of, you know, I feel kind of uh, that I, at some level I don't like the album. And I want to like it. And I've liked all the albums up till now, but there's something about Sgt. Pepper that and I want to try to figure out what it is, right? I really do. It's it's kind of upsetting to me that I feel this way, but I have to be honest at how I feel about the album, because uh, I you know I don't know that I had focused on it a lot. I was listening, you know, I was listening to the mono version, also listening to the remix version. The mono version again is is great. It's and it it is available on the super deluxe uh, reissue from a couple years ago. Love that mono. Um, but yeah, I think also, especially in the context of all the albums leading up to it. Let me see. Now, I actually do have a copy of this this record, so we can look at. It. Obviously, the album artwork is a, ma a major point of uh, interest and a major point of Paul is dead. There's a lot of Paul is dead stuff on the cover. A heck of a lot. I'm walking around my house here to <laughs> see where are my Beatles albums. Let's find Sergeant Pepper's Lonely. Oh, here it is. It's the first one. Great. This is, uh, you know, the, the Capitol Records release, but I have the actual, it's all beat up, but it's an original from 67. Uh, so we're going to take a look at this. Oh, look, someone was selling this for $2 somewhere. Well, it's beat up, but see, open it up. Let's take a look. All right. So, um. Of course, the cover. Was, I was just watching a documentary about Sgt. Pepper's. I forget the guy's name that did the cover, but maybe it says here. Oh, uh, Peter Blake. Yeah. So of course, the cover is this uh, image of all these uh, personalities, and then the four Beatles dressed up as uh, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with those psychedelic uniforms. 
Then there's wax figurines of them to the left. And uh, a, uh, a drum that says Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Then beetles and red flowers. And then a uh, sort of a bass guitar in flowers. Um, one thing to mention, <laughs> I, I like this story. Uh, if you look on the on the top, towards the right, you'll see uh, was it, uh, Hunts Hall from uh, East Side Kids or Bowery Boys. And Leo Gorsi, who was his co-star in those movies, was supposed to be right there next to him. I guess they, they, they called all of these people to get permission. And uh, apparently Leo Gorsi was the only one who demanded money. So they, they edited, him, edited him out. What a jerk. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, so some of the clues on here. I mean, we have on the upper left, we have Aleister Crowley himself, which some people said is Sergeant Pepper, sort of a satanic angle. I'm not so sure about that. Um, there's also a guy holding his, his open-palmed hand over Paul's head. Uh, which is a sign of, of death, they're saying. That, that that's sort of a religious sign when someone has died. So there's clearly a hand over his head. Um, his instrument, all the other Beatles are holding uh, brass instruments or metal instruments, and he's holding a black wooden instrument like an oboe. John on the left has a, a green, an orange outfit with some kind of a uh, a horn, like a French horn perhaps, a... Ringo has a, a pink outfit with a pink and blue outfit with a trumpet, and on the far right we have George with a red and white outfit. He's holding a, a flute, <coughs> but uh, yes, yeah, sort of sort of the black wood instrument. Uh, Paul there with <coughs> the uh, blue and white outfit. Now, of course, uh, the bass drum there, where it says "Lonely Hearts," if you put a mirror in there, it'll say one. It'll be like an I, a, a one, and then the word one, O-N-E, and then another one, and then an X. And then it says, he die, right? Um, so the way I interpret that is, right, a later song uh, come together where they're like, one and one and one is three. Got to be good looking because he's so hard to see, right? So... Um, right, so it's just one, 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 X. So I think obviously it means each beetle is represented by a one, 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 X, right? So the X is, Paul is gone. Some people also said that a sergeant is sort of a second in command, and Paul up to that point had been the second in command of the band uh, under, under John. Um, <clears throat> some people interpret that the flowers at the bottom in the shape of a guitar, a bass guitar to say Paul question mark, right? And, y and, and you can see it, P-A-U-L question mark. Then, of course, there is the, uh, the little doll on the, on the right-hand side wearing um, Welcome the Rolling Stones. And there's a little white car and what looks to be some red streaks around it. The idea is I think Paul's car was white that he crashed, a white sports car. So that little car there is something else that comes up. Um, 
Then again, the whole overall concept of Sgt. Pepper's, right, is, is the idea that they're no longer the Beatles, that they're, they've become this other band, right? And they're, you know, the Lonely Hearts are the Beatles that are missing their friend Paul, right? Someone even said Pepper is black, which is the color of death. Listen, when you have anything like this, any kind of a theory like this, you're going to have some theories that are better than others. But there's a lot going on here. But anyway, this is an, a legendary cover. And uh, but a lot of clues. Uh, the back cover we have all the lyrics and uh, the Beatles, the four Beatles there again in their outfits, and Paul is st- has his back to us. He's facing away from us. The other three Beatles are looking at us. Right, An- just another case where Paul is sort of the odd man out. And in the gatefold, we have uh, a large image of all four Beatles in in their outfits. And uh, there's Paul <laughs> with his must his awkward mustache, uh, completely looking like a completely different person. And of course, he has the patch on his left arm that says uh, O P D, and that is uh, that's the British version of D O A, Dead on Arrival. Officially pronounced dead, OPD. Um, and it definitely looks like a D from this angle, right? Now, of course, we know that that is actually does say OPP. You down with OPP, Paul? <laughs> yeah, you know me. It, it's, for, it's a patch from the Ontario Provincial Police, OPP, but it's angled to look like a D. So OPD, officially pronounced dead, yeah. I will say that, uh, you know, if Paul really did die, why would they want to point it out on these albums? And one theory is that the group involved, which is uh, some kind of Illuminati-type shadowy cultish group, that uh, they have a a rule or a law uh, that they're not allowed to uh, deceive people. That they have to tell the truth, but they can choose to do it in a roundabout way. So that this is a way of them admitting what they did. And if they feel that anyone with any common sense could look at Paul's new face and all of the symbolism on the album, that that that, that amounts to a, a confession. And that they've satisfied the letter of the law of their particular um, belief system. Again, this is pure speculation, but that's my f- one theory about why they, why they did this. Um, <clears throat> now, of course, <laughs> the consensus, or a lot of people think the guy's name is William Campbell, is the name of the, the guy's name who replaced Paul. So his name is Billy Campbell, right? So they have a character named Billy Shears on the album here, played by Ringo, right? So now it's... I don't know if they gave the names of the other members of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, but we know that Ringo is uh, Billy Shears, right? What would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me, right? That right there, why would he be singing out of tune, right? Billy Shears, the new Paul, is singing out of tune because he's not Paul, right? He gets by with a little help from his friends. There's friends in the Illuminati. Now, come on! (laughs) 
another song that uh, I noticed, Fixing a Hole, right? Well, when Paul died, there's a hole in the band. And Billy came in to fill the hole. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in, right? And uh, obviously in Day in the Life, he blew his mind out in a car. And that was supposedly about a car accident, a fatal car accident that uh, some British celebrity or, or lord or something had. Um, but I think he's talking about Paul there. So there's a lot going on here. Okay. Oh, all lyrics copyrighted by Northern Songs Limited. What? Oh, that was their... Because uh, m- m- remember... George had a song on an upcoming album, I think, uh, Magical Mystery Tour. I keep forgetting that album when I come up with a list of the albums. Um, it's only a northern song, right? So, yeah, here's the uh, Capitol Records edition, which is the same as the British one. They didn't change this one, except they took out the inner groove, which uh, never could be any other way. And backwards, some people think, will Paul come back as Superman or I will fuck you like a Superman? Backwards. Now, of course, um, they recorded two songs, Strawberry Fields and, was it Penny Lane? Uh, Kind of at the beginning of these sessions, but then did not release them as part of this album. But is, is the one... Is this where he feels where you hear John saying, I buried Paul? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, let's go check this album out. And what is it about the album that I just don't, that bothers me? I just, it's very kind of mysterious. It is kind of mysterious. The Hendersons will all be there. Late of Pablo Fank is fair. What a scene. I think there's, there's some songs here that are just kind of a bummer that – let me just get a quick overview here because I'm going to tell you – just without even listening, I just, just want to see – let me see. So all songs written by Lennon McCartney except Within You, Without You by George Harrison. And uh, Ringo had the one song obviously with a little help from my friends. So it's – just to describe the album, it starts off with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and then that goes into With a Little Help From My Friends. And I do like those two songs. Um, then it goes into Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, which I think is a great song. But then we get to Getting Better. And I think it could be that Getting Better um, is just lacking in some way. as It may be one of the songs that is really lacking. Uh, then we get to Fixing a Hall, which I've always been quite fond of. Those are two songs uh, by McCartney. Then we get to She's Leaving Home. And I think this is one, is one a song that is, brings the album down, in my opinion. Because it's, it's just kind of like I don't care about the characters in the song. I realize, like, who gives a crap about these people? And, yes, I read the article about what this was based on in the past and everything. So it's this woman that left with some casino employee or something. But it's sort of like a nothing story. And it's just, as a song, it kind of brings a whole album down. Um, Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, always loved that song. 
I love that song. <laughs> That's the first side. So I would say maybe getting better and she's leaving home. And I don't dislike these songs. They just they're they're there's a weakness to them. Side two starting within you, without you. And as much as I love George and his the Indian stuff, I feel like this is is not his strongest song. Again, I feel like I'm being super nitpicky, but we have to be. That's what this process is all about. Then we get to When I'm 64, a song that I've liked quite a bit over the years, but I just find, again, it is just, it's just corny, and it doesn't have any of that. It has a little bit of darkness, considering getting older and stuff, but it's just not really. It just it feels a, a bit insubstantial. And then Lovely Rita, which I think is a little bit of a better song, also feels a bit throwaway at some level. Then we get to Good Morning. Nothing to do to save his life, call his wife. And, and again, there's that, that song's a bit weak as well. And, the, and then we're back to the, the, the reprise. Sgt. Pepper's reprise is great. And then, of course, Day in a Life is a jaw-dropping masterpiece of a song. So I think maybe half the album are songs that I kind of feel are kind of weak in some, at some level or lacking uh, a kind of substance. Um, and I know it's for such an important groundbreaking album. It's, I, I, I feel terrible being so nitpicky about it, but uh, I just have to be honest that there's, it's just something about it doesn't feel right. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's listen to the, uh, let's see if we can find the, uh, the little documentary they have on, uh, on Apple Music that they have for each of these albums. I think this will be fun to, to listen to. Again, I, I mean, just like, la- like last week, I feel like no matter what I do, I can't, I mean, you should see the Wikipedia article on, on Sgt. Pepper's. It's like 100 pages long. There's so much about this album. We're just going to scratch the surface, basically. Let's see what this one's all about. Come on. Where is it? Play. Here it is. No? Something happened. I don't know what happened. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It has some sort of error. Hold on a second. Let me, let me try this. All right. I think we got it going here. Here it is. We've taken the road to its limits as far as we're concerned. What else could we do out there? I made a suggestion. I said, really, to get away from ourselves, how about if we just become sort of an alter ego band? Pepper started because of their being fed up with touring and they wanted to spend more time in the recording studio. What would you think if I sang out a tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? In the morning, we drive into Abbey Road and John's blacked out Rolls Royce fall out of the back of the car into the studio. starting to be other possibilities, you know, for instance, Indian music, which George was very keen on, and he'd met Ravi Shankar and was uh, very keen on the whole philosophy. There's a couple of strange ones, a couple of happy-go-lucky northern songs. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? 
When I'm 64. 64. Yes. Paul wrote in the cabin. We just stuck a few more words on it, like Granny on your knee and Vera, Chuck and Dave. This was just one that was quite a hit with us. I think we used to do it when the amps broke down, you know, just sing it on the piano. Grandchildren on your knee, Vera, Chuck and Okay. Anyway. We were really spending a long time in the studio. And we were still doing the basic tracks like we always did. And then it would take weeks for the overdubs. Don't think that. <coughs> I think it'll probably be another day singing it. Yeah, I just heard it then, that was nice. Yeah, and what you can do with the bits where you can't get it because you haven't got enough breath, you can just stop. Just take over. To admit it's getting better. recorded like a band you know where you learn the songs it was starting to become bitty have the mic on the piano quite low this so just let's keep it like maracas you know you know those old cameras Pepper for me, it, it's a fine album. It's a fine album, but I did learn to play chess on it. Well, he's obviously a, a kind of icon of the age, and I have a great deal of affection for it. People just have this dream about Pepper. It was good for them, you know. I like the idea of having all your favorite people on the album cover. I maintain that the Beatles weren't the leaders of the generation, but the spokesmen. <laughs> there you go. Um, let's go to the super deluxe. There's so many different editions of this album, but as you heard a little bit of that, one of my favorite things is uh, when John's like, Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum Fairy. Was that Day in the Life, take one, right? Is that how he's like, instead of saying one, two, three, four, Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum Fairy. In the life of, take one. Have the mic on the piano quite low, this, just to keep it in like maracas, you know. Plum Fairy. That's not on the album, that's, but that's on the Super Deluxe Edition with the outtakes. I think he was talking to Mal Evans. That guy is such a weird guy. He, he's the guy that's talking at the end of Day in a Life. One, two, three. And he died in 1976. Um, he was like all drugged out and waving a gun around. And he was killed by police, I think in Los Angeles. Very sad. But he's, let me just find the part where he's, he's counting down. Let's go to the mono version. The mono version. Yeah, yeah. Is this it? 
So again, even though I have an issue with this album, not with this song. I love this song, Day in Life, one of the best songs. Maybe maybe it's in the other part where he's he's you hear Mal Evans. Isn't this supposed to like go beyond the range of human hearing at some point at, at the end here? Yeah, hold on. I think it's it's the part where you're going into the Paul part. Mal Evans counting. You hear it. You hear it a little bit. Anyway. Oh wait. Here's Strawberry Fields Forever. Can I? Can we hear? I buried Paul. I don't know if I really really heard that that clearly. There's the Mellotron. <laughs> I buried Paul. It's obvious, <laughs> completely obvious. I buried Paul. Listen, though that's not on the album, right? That was a single, but and then I think it was on Magical Mystery Tour. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm getting very confused with this stuff. Yeah, so telling you, this is uh, a lot. There's a lot to absorb here, right? Let's see. Well, let me see if they have that thing where you could read read what they had to say about this album. I've been trying to read these on on each of these. And on Apple Music, they have a few paragraphs written about each album. And uh, here we go. For better and worse, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band helped set the precedent that rock bands could and should do more or less whatever they wanted. Songs got longer, albums grew concepts, and the idea of the LP as a concise product meant to showcase a performer's talents gave way to the suspicion that commercial concerns... Ultimately, ultimately only served the man. A few months before the Beatles were set to record Sgt. Pepper's, Bob Dylan had released Blonde on Blonde, an album so expansive it had to literally be pressed onto two records, while the Beach Boys' pet sounds stretched the dimensions and possibilities of the three-minute pop song. McCartney, in particular, had been fascinated by things like Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention's 1966 debut, Freak Out, a double album whose hodgepodge of songs, noise, skits, and sound gags mirrored conceptual arts breaking of the painterly frame. Where the Beatles had once sought to distill and consolidate, now they were looking to expand. McCartney had even come up with an alter ego and pseudo-unifying backstory, a move Lennon later said only worked because the band said it worked. In other words, they didn't want to just exercise the group that made I Want to Hold Your Hand. They wanted to smother them with a pillow. What? Because they wanted to get away from their, their, the, the image they had when they, in the, earlier in their career. Um, vacationing in France, just before recording had started, McCartney slicked his hair back with Vaseline and wandered the streets in a fake mustache and clear-lens glasses, an experience he called quite liberating. What? 
he, oh, he's trying to become a different person. Well, he was a different person. He was a different person. It's Billy, goddamn. <laughs> yeah. For all its experiments, A Day in the Life, and invocations of the counterculture, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, it's probably the band's most conservative album. The beer hall sing-alongs of the title track, and with a little help from my friends, the old-timey entertainment of Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, the domestic contentment of When I'm 64, like, like the Kinks circa Waterloo Sunset, and the Kinks are the Village Green Preservation, Preservation Society, and the Beach Boys of Smiley Smile, Sgt. Pepper's is an album that looked toward the past instead of the future. The work of guys in their late 20s starting to wonder if they'd been too eager to break from the old world, or at least might have lost something along the way. Lennon's Strawberry Fields Forever, recorded around the same time, covered similar themes, that the band was all taking acid, a drug that has a way of uh, flattening geologic time, probably didn't hurt either. Even Lennon's lyric on A Day in the Life, I read the news today, oh boy, rang with a cosmic quaintness, an image not of young radicals on the loose, but of the aging souls of Eleanor Rigby, finding infinite richness in a narrow life. A couple of months after the album was released, the band, along with partners, children, and business infrastructure, traveled to Greece with the vague intention of buying an island for everyone to live on, but eventually managed to think better of it. I did not know that. Wow, they were going to create Beatles Island? (laughs) (laughs) So you learn something new every day. So let's go through the album here, as we traditionally do. Starts off with these uh, sounds. Apparently this was recorded by George Martin at one of those fringe festivals uh, or um, with the goons, the goon show people. Right. So this is a, like a two-minute song that goes right into the next song. And start, This is Billy's introduction here. It was 20 years ago today. And by the way, I, I would have to say that Billy's voice does sound different than Paul's. Um, also, a, a separate synchronicity, as you may know, today is Wednesday. On Monday, I recorded the first of three anniversary shows of the Overnightscape. So Monday, when I recorded that episode, 1998, it was exactly 20 years to the to the day, and even to to like the like the moment I did it, it was actually exactly 20 years from when I started the Overnightscape on March 13th, uh, 2003. It was 20 years ago today. And now this album, it was 20 years ago today. It's just, everything's all, all, everything's all connected, man, okay? And I mean, I I like this song. It's just, it's, but it's, yeah. It it really is paired up with a little help from my friends, obviously. And I do think it's a great song with a little help from my friends. And it's a great song for Ringo. Here is Shears. So shears are like scissors, right? So it's almost like Billy has sort of cut out, almost like fixing a hole. It's almost like sewing. You're sort of cutting out the hole and, and fixing it. That's a bit of a stretch. What would you think if I sang out of tune? What would you think if I sang out of tune? And of course, Joe Cocker did his, uh, his very classic version as well. What else did Joe Cocker do? The poor guy. He's only known for doing a Beatles cover. I don't think he did anything else. What would you think if I sang out of tune? Let me go into Lucy within the sky with diamonds. 
Right. Which I think is a good song. Um, and they have maintained that it's not, doesn't stand for LSD, that it was John's son, Julian Lennon, who later went on to have almost be a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Whatever happened to Julian Lennon? But he drew a picture of this woman in the sky, and he's like, it's called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Daddy. Really? I don't think so. They were pushing the drugs. Picture yourself on a boat on a river. And it's a good song, okay? Uh, maybe not one of their best, but again, I'm, I feel bad being nitpicky, but I think this song is getting better. The next song is... Uh, it, though I've always liked this song, I think it's a weak. It's one of the weaknesses of this album. It's representative of the weakness of the album. This is also the song where Paul is saying, "I I I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her." Uh, for some reason, I thought that was John because he was known to beat women. But now Paul's saying he beat women too, or maybe the character he's playing in Sgt. Pepper's beat beats women. And, and very famously, you know, you got to admit it's getting better. And then John added the line, it can't get no worse. But I just think as a song, there's something a bit weak about this song. Anyway, then we get to Fixing a Hole, which I've always liked this song. This song. But again, it has this sort of... I'm fixing a as much as I like it, it's it is lacking something. It's lacking some kind of spirit or soul, you know. And I think I think it is the soullessness of of Billy, the new Paul's voice, and just his whole sensibility. And if 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 you watch that LSD interview I was playing earlier, you can see his sort the sort of blankness of his persona, which I think is what's sort of shining through. Though I do like fixing a hole quite a lot. Um, there's just a lack of dimensionality that the original Paul had. Then we get to She's Leaving Home. And and I just have to say, in a lot of ways, this song is lacking. Right. These songs, right, the style of these songs, it, they would have been good maybe as one on an, an entire album, but this is another very weak song. Wednesday morning at five. But it's just sort of like the song is kind of pointless. Who gives a shit? Who is this person who's, who left home? Oh, our baby's gone. I don't know. I, there's just something about the song. It's sort of droning and it's annoying. And I, and I never thought of it that way until now we've been sort of hyper-focusing on the Beatles. This is definitely a, a weak point. on the. There's a lot of weak points on the album. It's so weird. Next up, a song I do quite like, Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Of course, Henry the horse dances the waltz. I, I, I'll say that's one of the that's one of the better songs. I like that song. Yes. Anyway, um, and of course, it's it's based on a uh, a poster for for a circus or a carnival or something. Then we got to the start of side two, within you, without you, and this this is one that. Again, I think it's kind of puzzling. I really did like the Indian one on the previous album. Was it um, Love You Too, I think it was called? But this one... I 
always liked, I, I always felt I like all these songs, but there's a, this song is also not that strong. This song is also lacking in some ways. I feel terrible saying it. It's a five minute song too, it's wild. Uh, and then after that we get this one, which is just completely corny. And again, I've always felt that I like this song, but. When I get older, losing my head, many years from now. I am telling you, the previous Paul would not have written a song like this. It's just corny. It's treacly. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? Yeah. Um, one of my wife's uh, parents, good friends, Vera, named Vera. She was a huge Beatles fan, and she loved this song because it was the only song that mentioned her name, Vera. Vera, Chuck, and Dave. Do, 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 right? Anyway, this song is kind of weak. And then we get to this one. Lovely Rita, the meter maid. You know, uh, Donald Fagan had, a, had sort of a similar song on one of his later albums. Security Joan, about a security guard that he falls in love with as opposed to a meter maid. Not a security guard, a uh, uh, TSA at the airport. And I, and I like this one better, but again, it, it is sort of, yeah, it has that same weird kind of tone to it. That, that is what makes me have a problem with this album. But it's better than some of the other ones. And then we get to Good Morning... And I think, really, I would have to say the same thing about this one. It has that weakness to it. I was watching a documentary about Sgt. Pepper, and George Martin is like, Paul wanted various animals, so of course we used a cock. <laughs> I like that. We used a cock. Nothing to do to save his life, call his wife. This is definitely better than some of the other ones, but somewhat lacking. Then we get to the Sgt. Pepper reprise. It's interestingly, it's one minute and 19 seconds long, which is sort of an alternate for 209, right? Because my favorite number, 209, is 11 times 19, and if you smush those two together, you get 119. What, what, what did Rob previously say? This was one of the, like, the fastest time signatures. Right. This is good. I like this. It's like a sort of a callback. It's, it's kind of like Tweezer reprise from, from Fish. Did this start the whole reprise thing? You know? The Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Then, of course, we get to Day in a Life, which this song is so good, it c basically can cancel out all the other bad songs or weak songs because this song is a stone-cold classic. Amazing. I can listen to it all day. I, 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 day in a I can listen to it all day. He blew his mind out in a car. Really? Because they say Paul's car accident was so severe that he almost got, like, decapitated or his head blown apart, you know. He blew his mind out in a car. Anyway, 
we all know this song. Then it goes into the Paul part. Woke up, get out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. Went upstairs and had a smoke. Apparently that was, people thought that was re referring to marijuana. Of course it was. Anyway, this song is absolutely amazing. Love it. So I think that, um, and then of course there's one more song that you have to find another version to listen to. Why do we have to find the deluxe edition to hear the freaking inner groove? Or, or, or is, it on, is it on the, uh, let me see. Inner groove. Never could be any other way. It could have been another way. Paul could have lived. The, the other way. The other way is, has all different Beatles music. And let's find the reversed uh, inner groove, shall we? Here it is. Is this it? Go. I, I really think you could make the case that it's I will fuck you like a Superman. Right? People saying... Will Paul come back as Superman? I'm not hearing that at all. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you like a Superman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Sergeant Pepper. I, again, when I say I feel like I've only scratched the surface, I, I mean, I know there's so much more about this, but, you know, what do you want? We have, to, we have to say something about this record. OPD. You down with OPP? Paul's down with OPP. I got to hear that song. <laughs> what was the name of that group? Naughty by Nature. Remember that? OPP stands for Other People's Partners or perhaps more. In a, perhaps, in, perhaps in a more um, crude sense, Other People's Pussy. Or penis or whatever. Listen, they're naughty by nature. Then by nature they're gonna be crude, right? Paul's down with OPP. That's the patch he's wearing. OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police. Is this kind of like the state police? Where's the Where's the chorus? Yeah. I buried Paul. I buried Paul. Yes. The old old Paul. Old Paul. O P. What could the other P be? I don't know. Listen. What's next? White album? That's my favorite, I think. I'm so tired, I haven't slept a wink. And at the end of that one, it's like, Paul is a dead man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. I do miss him. I never met him, though. Did I, I never met him. Well, he, he died before I was born. I was born in 67. I was actually born... All right, when did this album come out? Hold on a second. I, I was born... One more thing. <laughs> this album came out... May 26th, 1967. 
I was in utero. Okay, I, I was uh, I, I, since I was born October, I, I was already uh, be- developing as a fetus when when Sergeant Pepper came out. So was I alive? I was I was alive. <laughs> well, depending, I, I know I know there's a lot of people that argue whether or not a fetus is alive. But anyway, I was in, I was in utero when when this album came out. So the whole world kind of vibrating on Sergeant Pepper's is sort of that I was sort of picked up those vibrations from the womb. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, I know there's a million things I didn't say about this album, but yeah, an amazing album, but, you know, kind of a bummer, too, in some ways, which is weird. I wouldn't have expected it. Back to you, Peaky. Peaky River. Oh, man, this is great. Uh, All this great Beatles stuff and, 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 and the universe where Paul was dead and the universe where Paul wasn't dead and the newly discovered universe that I am announcing here for the first time. The universe where John Lennon actually died and was replaced, but they pretended to hide that Paul was the one who had died with all the clues just to throw everybody off so nobody even noticed that John Lennon had been blatantly replaced. Yeah, all of these things and more in uh, your unfolding universe uh, as we sit around the Onsug campfire because that's really what this is all about. We're all telling the story, and uh, the fire is crackling, and uh, maybe somebody's uh, cooking some potatoes in the fire, all wrapped in uh, furl, oh, furl, aluminum furl, of course, the, the, the aluminium, as they say, uh, over in uh, the Europe. It, 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 uh, Americans, I'm told, are the only people who call aluminum aluminum. Or something. I just how how can something so simple be called two so similar yet? Well, it's the same thing with Tylenol, which over there is Parsimetol or something. Oh, it's it's all so confusing with the brand names and yeah. Anyways, no guitars. All of the other Beatle albums up to here. I mean, there are guitars on Sgt. Pepper, especially the guitars reclaim the, in the reprise of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. It, it's, it's a band with guitars instead of that fine orchestra we heard warming up at the beginning of the album. So uh, that's the other thing uh, that I notice about this album. While there are guitars, it, it, it's this whole shift from rock and roll being this like cheap jack recorded off in some corner uh, to this elevated thing. Uh, It's hard to contextualize it in 2023, but that's, and what the product is, yeah, too slick. Too slick for me. It's not bad. I, I'm, I listen to it. I'll listen to it again. But not my favorite Beatle album. Uh, and a lot of people really love this one. And hey, I, there's some great songs on here. And, and the idea, it was a very new idea for creators of music recording 
artists, so to speak, to do something that was absolutely not reproducible live. So they're pioneers in this world of recorded sound and mixing things that, you know, ELO tried 10 years later, almost, a little less than that, to perform with an orchestra and a rock band, and there wasn't any equipment capable of doing that for a long time. And it wasn't until like the late 70s where ELO could do live shows with the whole right sound. And now, of course, it's you know, everything is mixed and prepared, and who knows what's pre-recorded, and they're just pretending they're playing. Although with ELO, I don't think there's very much of that kind of malarkey. With almost anybody else, a distinct possibility in 2023. So, yes, uh, thank you so much to everybody. Dave in Kentucky showed up, Shambles, Constant, and Frank Edward Nora, and you and me together, loving the Beatles forever. And, yeah, now we got next week. And as I said, uh, it's not an album, but we're making it one here. Hmm. The mat roll up, my friends. The magical mystery tour is waiting to take you away. And um, yeah, uh, get your uh, review of it together. And uh, the email address that you will be needing is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Uh, if you've got flexibility on the deadline, shoot for like the 23rd or 24th of March 2023 in there, uh, and I'll try to get us this back towards getting done over the weekend. Anybody hearing this who wants to jump on, and uh, we still got a lot of Beatles to go here. Uh, we've got several albums, and uh, then there's going to be more. I that Frank and I have got some goodies cooked up here, to, uh, so we do a thorough examination of the Beatles. I, I mean, you may as well. Let's not leave anything undone. And uh, once again, email address. And it's I, even if you just send an email for me to read, which I will do. If you if you're Mike shy or don't, it's hard getting time to talk into a microphone you type something up i'll read it for you uh send that to kpqr.torc at gmail.com and uh, we'll have fun together here on the Overnightscape central talking about the beatles next week magical mystery tour and uh, until the next time we meet I think I've, I feel like we've just whipped through this. This was fun. Uh, anyhow, let's get this out to you because I'm late. And uh, yes, till next we meet, set the controls for the heart of the fun.